eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Welcome into the latest episode of the Utopia Football Podcast on the Odyssey Network of Podcasts. Great to be with you. Uh, as the Texans have whittled their roster down to 53. Welcome some guys back in the building on the practice squad. John McClain and I are here to break it all down. I'm Sean Pendergast uh, with you each and every morning on Payne and Pendergast, 6 to 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 610. And as I mentioned, joined by the Hall of Famer, my colleague at Sports Radio 610, and of course, uh, my co-host here on this podcast, John McClain. John, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing great, Sean. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. Love doing this Utopia podcast. Getting a lot of good feedback. Yep, we're enjoying it, and I think the listeners are enjoying it. And now that the regular season is is almost here, this wait is going to be excruciating. <laughs> we never had a wait this long in between preseason games and the regular season. But the Texans and the NFL in general have given us plenty to, to chew on here over the last few days, starting with the cut down to uh, – the cut down to 53, John. We got down to the 53-man roster. You and I are going to go through some of the things that jumped out at us here in just a second. Um, but what did you think was the biggest, as far as the Texans getting the roster down to 53 and the moves they made, what do you think was the biggest headliner of all these moves? First of all, I wanted to say something. You're talking about our break of having over two weeks. Used to, the NFL played on Labor Day. Yeah. And the ratings always started down. And then they had to work their way back up. And because so many people were on vacation or are just not in front of the TVs back then. And so the NFL came up with the idea, okay, let's don't play on Labor Day anymore. And that turned out to be great. And the first weekend is always tremendous ratings based on the way they do the defending Super Bowl champion playing that first game. As far as the Texans, um, you know, because of the because of the practice squad, Sean, it's 16 players. Cuts are not nearly as important as they used to be. And I thought about, and I think it was Andrew Brandt who tweeted this, how many players in an entire league when almost 900 are cut are really surprises. Even to here, Ross Blacklock trade, Max Sharping cut. We discussed those all going back to the start of camp. Yeah. So they were certainly not surprises. A couple of things they did, but guys ended up, 
on the practice squad, like Marlon Mack, Jalen Camp. Mack was the biggest surprise. I thought he would be on the roster. And then Lovey Smith told us when uh, he was, I'm sorry, it was, it was Nick Casario mm-hmm. that told us that he was asked about Chris Conley, and he said he thinks he'll be back sooner rather than later. And um, so I'm not even sure if they got a spot left on the practice squad, but they're going to have a lot of veteran receivers, no rookies, even Tyler Johnson from Tampa Bay, I think was a really good addition. You know, they got a young team because of all the draft choices mm-hmm. and the three undrafted free agents led by Kern Einish, Big Einish from Notre Dame, mm-hmm. who you told us about from the get-go. They're younger in, in a lot of areas, but like wide receiver, those are proven veterans at some point in their career. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you laid out quite a few things there, John, and some of them I want to dig into here. Um, the, the, it's interesting the, the, I want to get to Blacklock in just a second, but you're right. The, the view that Nick and Lovey both have on the roster is much more of a broad inclusion of the practice squad and the one international player that they have, uh, Odile. Um, the one thing, the one distinction, and I think it was Nick that made this distinction yesterday or uh, in his press conference, or, or the people are listening to this on Friday, so I guess on Wednesday in his press conference, um, would be that teams can come snag those guys off your practice squad. They're all basically free agents. You know, as long as the team that's taking that person puts them on their 53-man roster, they can, they can snag them. So there is a delineation from that, from the standpoint of, hey, you can't touch these 53 guys, but the next 16, you can, you can snag if you want to. And they can turn them down if they want. Yeah. I've had agents before call me and ask me, well, what about the opportunity with the Texans at this position? Because I'm trying to get my guy to stay because the team is trying to sign him, even though he's going on the roster, it does not have as good of an opportunity. So what do you think if he stays, his chances of getting on the roster? And I'm like, well, I don't have a clue about that, but here's who he's got ahead of him. And that's not often. Plus you can pay him more money if you want to get him. Most guys who are invited to go to another team and be on the roster for the rest of the season do it. Very seldom do you see them turn them down, but they can John, that's interesting. So you've had agents call you just to get the lay of the land to find out what the opportunity was like, like to get your get your take on what things look like with the Texans uh, as far as opportunity, because his because that particular agent's uh, client had it was assessing whether or not to stay on a practice squad or go play for an NFL team. Yep, and also the uh, the possibilities of getting elevated to the roster. Yep, and uh, I can't even remember who the play player was. He was a cornerback. I've known the agent forever. And uh, the Packers were trying to get him. And this mm-hmm. was back when the Texans were winning a division uh, under Gary Kubiak. And I told him at the time, I said, well, if he stays here, there's a good chance he's going to be activated soon because so-and-so's injured and so-and-so's not playing very well. And he said, that's all I need. So they turned down the Packers. He stayed here. He got activated. And it wasn't long before he got cut. <laughs> Well, hey, he got activated, you know. I, I, hey, once John, once he gets on the roster, it's on him to stay on the roster. You you just gave information. That's all. Um, as far as Ross Blacklock goes, I, that to me was the headline. As far as you're right, there were very few surprises when it came to the Texans um, and the roster. Mac, I think, was a, a bit of a surprise to some. Um, 
But Blacklock is the headliner because in some ways it's a headliner because we've been waiting for this all camp for the the other shoe to drop on Ross Blacklock. And it did in the form of a trade to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, John, to me, the biggest part of this headline is total bust of a pick by Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby. And this essentially, unless the six round pick they got for Blacklock turns into Tom Brady. This basically closes the book on the DeAndre Hopkins trade, which was a horrible trade the day it was made. It was a horrible trade the day they drafted Ross Blacklock. It was a horrible trade the day that they first started handing the ball off to David Johnson. And here in early September of 2022, it is confirmed that is the worst trade in the history of the franchise. He just never produced. When you're a second-round pick, and that's the round he was supposed to go in. I was at the Combine when he came out of TCU, and there were some mock drafts. He didn't go in bottom of the first round. Most had him going early in the second. And I remember thinking, man, this is going to be a good pick. And I don't know what happened, but, you know, you when you are a second-round pick and you get beat out by a sixth-round pick, Roy Lopez, and then an undrafted free agent, Big Einie, comes in there, and he makes plays in the backfield that you don't make, you know you're gone. And I'm sure he was shaken up but he, because it's his hometown yeah. and his parents are here, but he can't be surprised. I was surprised that Casario got a sixth-round pick for him. He's got a lot of sixth-round picks. Right now, I think they have 12 picks next year, and – John Manchi the third will be like another two. So I don't expect Casario will sit around on his hands while, and use all those picks. I think he'll be trading those picks and using them to bring in, bring in other players or be part of deals for other players. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, they've got four sixth-round picks in the next draft. I was looking up. Uh, the Texans actually listed their draft capital on their website yesterday. They've got si- four sixth-round picks after the Blacklock trade. So, yeah, you know, Nick Nick is all about using those like you use chips at a casino, you know, as opposed to holding on to them and actually drafting. Play- I mean, he may draft some players with him, but I guarantee you, John, that at least two of those four sixth-round picks are probably going to be on the move at some point. Uh, either for a player or as part of some sort of package, I would think. So Blacklock gone in a trade and then Max Sharping cut, which John leaves us with only three players that were drafted by the Texans before Nick Casario got into the building. Titus Howard, the 23rd overall pick in 2019, Jonathan Grenard, third round pick in 2020, and Charlie Heck, backup swing tackle, fourth round pick in 2020. That's it. That John, that is one of the most stunning uh, roster composition anecdotes or factoids that I think I've ever experienced in my years of covering the NFL. It's stunning, Sean, but it's not as astonishing as the Raiders and their run of bad oh. first-round picks, which is the worst I've ever seen. You know, the Vikings, new coach, new GM, they've gotten rid of a lot of last year's draft choices. It's almost like you bring in a new head coach and he's working with a GM 
who had brought in these players are not likely to get rid of as many. But if you do like the Vikings and the, and the Raiders and you bring in a new head coach and a new general manager, it's more likely that a lot of those draft choices are gone. It's like Serio it's like told us. He doesn't care where guys were drafted. That yeah. doesn't mean anything to him. All he cares about right now is Indianapolis and what they can do to improve the team and try to upset the Colts. Um, the three undrafted free agents that made it, John, you mentioned Big Heine, Kurt Heinish. Jake Hansen, the linebacker who played for Lovey Smith at Illinois, and then Troy Hairston, who's a, a pretty interesting story himself, a former defensive player at Central Michigan, played linebacker there, who uh, they turned into uh, a fullback. They worked him out. Nick Casario told that story with Seth and myself Thursday morning with us, the story of how they came across Troy Hairston and putting him through defensive player workouts, but then putting him through fullback-style workouts, and now he's here. He made the team as a fullback um, this John, this, this uh, particular year of young players, the Texans have brought in, this is what, this is exactly what the doctor ordered for this football team. Uh, all, what is it? Nine draft picks. They had all nine draft picks make the team. Mechie obviously is a separate case because of, he's battling leukemia. As you mentioned, hopefully he gets well and he's viewed as a draft pick next year, but all eight of the other draft picks make the football team. It looks like several of them are, are primed to contribute in a big, big way. And they get three undrafted free agents. One is a, is going to be for sure a rotational defensive lineman in Heinish. Hanson, my guess, if he's active on game days, is going to at the very least be running down on special teams. And then Troy Hairston is your starting fullback. This, this rookie class, John, if, if Nick is able to replicate this again next year and Davis Mills develops, you know, fingers crossed, this rebuild could get really, really accelerated in a division that's not very strong right now. That's why I've been saying since the draft, I think there'll be a wild card contender next year. People think I'm nuts. Landry Locker, John Lopez almost passed out. They're nuts. When I said that, yes, they are. And also, don't forget, besides having all those picks, in 2023, he's going to have about 80 million under the cap. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, he'll be able to get a couple of good free agents and cost some money for need positions and still just fill in roster spots. Yeah. John, how do you feel? You know, as long as you're bringing up the cap space, and we're going to get to some mailbag questions in just a second, uh, HOU mailbag at gmail.com. If you want to jot that email address down, we'll give it out again. Um, you bring up the 80 million in cap space. Let's pretend for a second that this draft class turns out to be what we think they are, which is pretty good. They, they get another good round of rookies next year. And so, like you said, they've got some free agency money to spend. Do you feel like this team has kind of been able to uh, put some deodorant on the stigma that they had a couple of years ago where people were wondering that if anybody would ever want to sign to play with the Texans ever again, when they were in the middle of the most dysfunctional era in the history of, maybe any franchise, quite honestly. Do you feel like that they've kind of cleansed themselves of that stigma for free agents? I do. And free agents will come to you if you pay them. Yeah. Look at Jacksonville. How many Jacksonville wanted to win March, and they did. Yeah. And the Jaguars were the worst team in the league, worst team in the league two years in a row. If you overpay, which a team like Jacksonville has to do, they're going to go there. And in the Texans' case, I, I think it's all predicated on Mills because it's going to be a great quarterback draft. And I'm amazed at how many people continue to have the Texans as the worst team in the league. I saw one guy I really respect said he wrote that he thought they were going to take a step back 
from their four wins last season, which I don't understand whatsoever. I think they'll finish. I'm going to pick officially pick them next week, six and 11. But um, if, if Mills can be their quarterback and it's going to have to be, he's going to have to be really good, as you know, to bypass the guys, say like CJ Stroud or, uh, young at Alabama. Yeah. There's a Kentucky quarterback everybody likes. Will Levis. Yep. In Florida. And so he's going to have to be really good. They don't know yet. You know, they hope he is. They think he has what it takes. A lot of it is people around him. But I think uh, the fact Casario gets a lot of respect of what he's doing around the league. And I saw a thing with agents and the athletic, I think, or ESPN had surveyed a bunch of agents about a lot of things. And when they put uh, uh, others getting votes on like best front office people, Casario was in there. And I don't know anybody that isn't impressed with what he's done when you consider uh, he faced that massive rebuild without a one or two to start off. And I like the philosophy and I think people, agents, understand where they're going and it's not like they play in an afc west yeah you know right now titans seem to be worse than they were i don't see the colts being much better than they were maybe they can win at jacksonville this year but um i i i think that stigma that stench is gone and one reason is is jack easterby jack has been neutered you know he doesn't have the influence in the organization that he had last year and the year in 1920 and 21, he just does it. He no longer on the sidelines, no longer has anything to do with media relations. And um, he's there, but around the league, instead of the first thing they ask is about Easterby, nobody's asking about him anymore Yeah, because, you know, he had his footballs cut off. <laughs> Good way to put it, John. He had his footballs cut off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. So as I mentioned, John and I are going to be doing an ep- uh, one episode each week that is going to be uh, almost purely a mailbag episode. If you're listening to this and you haven't put this email into your contacts yet uh, for the Utopia Football Podcast, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. It's a special email we've got set up. Uh, we got a bunch of questions came into the inbox this week. I'm sure the more we talk about it and the more we tweet it out, the more questions we're going to get each and every week, especially once we have games to dig into. You can only dig into a 53-man roster so many times before you're repurposing the same questions. But some of you were able to come up with some good ones this week. So we thought, John, just to maybe stretch out our mailbag hammies a little bit, I thought we'd answer a few questions from the people, some of which are a little time-sensitive. So I thought it'd be a good idea to slip some of these in this week. So you up for a few mailbag questions? Yep, and I got the first one. Okay. I asked I asked Lovey Smith in his post-53 news conference. Okay, you got Harrison, a former defensive player at fullback. When he comes in, does that tip off everybody you're going to run the ball? Because sometimes people like to have a fullback who can catch just to catch people off guard and to put it on tape where t- people have to beware. 
that they might throw him the ball or throw the ball when they're expecting run. And he said when they scouted him, he played linebacker slash defensive end. Not only was he a great athlete, a really tough guy, he had real good hands. Mm. Now, I don't know if he's saying that just to get the word out there to the Colts. We'll see. But that's the first thing I thought about when he made the roster. When he goes in, is it always going to be a run? And is he going to be any kind of receiving threat? And I wouldn't doubt at all if the first time he's on the field, first couple they run, and then they throw him a little swing pass mm. just to have it on tape. And uh, I think that's very important. So that was my first question. Fire away. Okay, there we go. All right, so, John, uh, kind of segueing off of what you were talking about before with your season-long prediction for the Texans, Ryan Crossingham emails in, uh, for the upcoming season, what do you guys see as the best-case scenario and the worst-case scenario for the team, and which is more likely? Sean, I think the worst-case scenario would be Davis Mills getting hurt. Then they got to go with Kyle Allen, and then maybe they would win fewer than four games. And if they did, that wouldn't be all bad because they'd have a shot at a, another quarterback or uh, one of the uh, great defensive players. And uh, is it Will Johnson Jr. who's at uh, Alabama? The uh, Will Anderson. Outside? Will Anderson Jr. who's yep. at Alabama. And that guy is an incredible He's a beast. prospect. Yes. And everybody says he is the most talented prospect, even though C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback, will go first. But I think that would be the worst-case scenario. I saw Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network, tell somebody this week they could be 500. And I say, nope, they ain't going to be 500 because there's no 500 anymore. I would think the best-case scenario for this team after winning four would be if they could win seven or eight. They came mm-hmm. so close to beating the Patriots, the Titans. They, they lost a one-score game at Miami. They could have won. And that was when they were in disarray. And now they have some stability. Uh, as far as Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton. And uh, so I would say uh, worst case is you're competing for the first pick and Mills gets hurt. And I would say best case, seven or eight victories. John, I, I, I mean, I'll give you maybe a little more kind of nuanced look at the worst case. I think the worst case for this team is that Davis Mills is not the guy, but they go out and because maybe they're better defensively than we think they go out and they win like six or seven games, kind of like Atlanta did last year, you know, where Atlanta, Atlanta was a horrible, horrible football team, but they somehow found a way to win seven games or six games, something like that. So they're picking eighth in the draft. That to me is the worst case scenario is that you win enough. Wow. games, Right. You where you win enough where, you know, God, we need a quarterback. I mean, Davis Mills is not good but they win too many games and now they're having to give up both of their first round picks just to start to maneuver around where you're having to give up draft capital just to get into position to get a guy that you feel is an elite quarterback. If indeed that's what Nick Casario would want to do, who knows, maybe one of the non Stroud, non Bryce young guys tickles his fancy and he thinks he can get him at nine or something like that. But I, John, I don't view Davis Mills either getting hurt or being bad and then finishing near the top of the draft as the worst case scenario. To me, the worst case scenario is Davis Mills is bad. You need a quarterback, but you're not in position in the draft to go get one without having to use up some of that draft capital that you got for Deshaun Watson. That's the worst case for me. That's a great point. What's your best case? My best case is is that they they cobble their way to nine and eight. I don't I don't think there's any way they win double digit games. No, we're talking best case, John. I'm not saying it's like, yeah, I'm saying Nine. best case. Best case yeah. is they, you know, they have a, they, maybe they have a massive 
victory and turnover margin again. Hey, look, if Davis Mills plays like he did the last five games of last year and they finish with a similar turnover margin as they did last year, then they're going to they're gonna mess around and win seven or eight games. And you get to seven or eight, then you're a player two away from getting nine. So to me, the best case scenario would be a miraculous nine and eight. I think the most likely scenario I'm with you is six. That's where I'm, that's where I'm putting my money right now. But um, I, and, and so I, you know, my, the big thing is mills. Like I'm not even looking at the uh, John, I'm not even looking at win total this year. I'm looking at what's the development of Davis mills and how many of these guys they brought into the building in the last two years are guys that you want to keep around for the next six years, that kind of thing. I'm, um, I, I'm like you. And I, I wrote a column that will be published soon for an organization that is yet to announce that I'm writing columns and they'll be free, free, free about the <laughs> pressure, the excruciating pressure on Mills because he holds the fate of the franchise in his right on his right arm. And because it, what they could do with those two picks next year, if he's the man like Stingley and Petrie, maybe a defensive end who's a great pass rusher and another offensive lineman, or maybe yeah. a, what about a tight end, a position they're still sorely lacking. But as you mentioned earlier, if he's not, then they got to basically start over the position, which could set back their rebuild by a couple of years. No doubt. No doubt. The ability to use those first round picks and second round and third round picks for things other than maneuvering around to get a quarterback is gigantic for this team. Like the development of Davis Mills is one of the most important things in the history of this franchise in terms of accelerating a rebuild. Uh, speaking of which, John, Chris in Atlanta asks, and again, you can email questions in mailbag at gmail.com. Chris in Atlanta asks, uh, not including an injury-related reason, do you see any possibility that Mills is not the starting quarterback for the Texans at the end of this season? In other words, if he stays healthy, is Mills the quarterback regardless of performance, or could he get yanked for Kyle Allen at some point? No, oh, I don't see him getting yanked for Kyle Allen unless he's hurt. No way. Yeah. Because the truth is, they got to see him the entire year. And if – say he's really bad, then that helps him get a higher pick. Yeah. If the the another thing is if he's if he's up and down. If he shows ability like at the end of last season, you get excited, but say he reverts to a four interception game like he did at Buffalo, because they play some big time teams on on their schedule. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's back and forth where you want to see the good, but boy, you fear the bad. Yeah. So I think I there's no way Kyle Allen is going to start over Mills if he's healthy. Yeah, if he's healthy. I'm with you on that. Chris also left an excellent recipe for buffalo chicken dip, John. You laughed Ooh. at me for telling people to send recipes, but it's it's it looks delicious. It's kind of that creamy buffalo chicken dip, you know? Well, thanks to Chris. Be sure and send it to me. I will. I'll forward it to you for sure. Thank you, Chris, for that. Yes, we we don't want you to send in recipes, people, just solely recipes. But if you want to attach some at the bottom of your questions for the Texans, um, this just in. John and I both love food. Um, John, uh, Bob in Buffalo Speedway asks, what's the loudest game you've ever heard in NRG Stadium? Uh, the, the By far in the regular season was uh, TJ Yates' first start against Bingo. Atlanta. Yep, because the fans must have just decided we need to help this guy, and I couldn't believe it. Nobody in the press box could, could believe it. We're like, whoa, what's happened here? That was the loudest ever. And in the playoffs, the loudest I've ever seen 
was 2011 when they're playing Cincinnati and they were trying to win their first playoff game after winning their first division title with TJ Yates throwing the winning touchdown pass to Kevin Walter. Can you hear the, t- the phone ring? That's now? okay. It's a, it's a podcast job. No okay. worries. Without, let me start that over for Figgy. Um, with TJ Yates throwing that winning touchdown pass to Kevin Walter, the loudest I ever heard it was when the rookie, J.J. Watt, reached up, tipped uh, the Red Rifles pass and returned it for the touchdown, and the place just shook. And who knew? We were seeing the birth of a phenomenon. Yep, no doubt. I'm uh, John, I I had just jotted on my piece of paper here, Atlanta, early December 2011, T.J. Yates' first start. That was one of those times where you sat there and said, like you said to yourself, like I'm not you, John, but like you, a fan, anybody who was there, like, this is so loud right now. <laughs> like, this, this might be the loudest stadium I've ever been in. It was so loud in there that day. God, I hope we get back to that at some point. <laughs> you know, that level of excitement. That team, that era of football in, in Texans history was and still is so beloved. That 2011-2012 time frame. Yeah, it helps when you got a quarterback who people like yeah. and, and you're doing it with an underdog, TJ, who was the third quarterback after Schaub and and Matt Leinart and having Kubiak you know everybody loved Gary Kubiak even though a lot of people demanded him be fired everybody liked him and respected him and the fact that he was hometown guy you know and when Bill O'Brien had success there were still people that didn't like Bill there were a Mm -hmm. lot of people no matter what happened they couldn't invest totally emotionally in the team because they didn't like Bill Yep. Let's do one more in the mailbag and, and I'll, I'll repeat next week, our mid middle of the week episode, we're going to start going to three episodes a week next week, our middle of the week episode, which is usually going to drop on uh, Thursday is going to be all mailbag for the most part. But uh, G van uh, sends this in. Could you guys please explain the waiver process? Can we put a request for any number of players? As long as our total squad is still at 70. Do we get the players as long as the top two teams ahead of us in the waiver wire don't want them? I normally, John, I wouldn't put a functional question like that in. I would tell, I would reply and say, just Google waiver process. But I think it's worth bringing up because this is going to be an important thing for the Texans over the next few weeks. I think guys are going to hit the waiver wire. Teams are still making moves. The deadline to get to 53 doesn't mean teams stop shuffling the deck for the next couple of weeks. And the Texans, not only for the rest of the preseason, but I believe it's the first few weeks of the regular season until the records kind of calibrate themselves to where you can you know, really start to say, okay, this team is the worst right now and so forth. I think the Texans are going to be sitting third on the waiver wire for a little ways into the regular season as well. So the answer to the question, John, yeah, like you can, as long as you keep your roster at 70, you can claim whoever you want to. And when you're high up in the waiver wire, like the Texans are, as long as the, as long as the, uh, the Jags and the Lions don't want the guy ahead of you, then, then you're in business. But do you think the waiver process is going to be a big thing for Casario here over the next few weeks? Um, I'm not, it depends on who gets cut. First of all, thank you, Javen, for doing that. He's, he was one of the regulars on my mailbag at the Chronicle okay. every Friday. And first of all, let's point out, you see guys get waived and you see guys get released. You wonder, well, what's the difference? Released is for vested veterans. And um, I think that like picking up Tyler Johnson, they could have picked up a bunch more and they didn't. 
as Lovey Smith said, we like our running backs. Now, I don't think he would have said that if they planned to look for another running back. They got Marlon Mack, who averaged 5.5 carry against the 49ers, and he's on the practice squad. And I don't see anybody signing him off the practice squad, considering he hadn't done squat the last two years because he was injured. But anytime they see somebody they like, they're going to be all over him. And maybe, maybe Detroit and uh, Jacksonville are loaded in that spot. Gosh, I think it was the Bears that claimed double figures of players. Wow. And I saw another thing out this morning from Field Yates VSPN on Twitter. He put players who were claimed by more than one team. Hmm. And Kellen Mine was claimed by two. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I think we won't see Sean as a revolving door at NRG Stadium like we did last year. But I could say yes. And Lovey acted like they're good to go with the tight ends they have. Hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, they looked for they tried to trade for Adam Sheen of Miami and they they nullified it because of his injury. Now he's on IR with the Dolphins. So they thought they needed a blocking tight end. Then now they're acting like, hey, they may use alignment. Now they better get alignment who can catch because if you put in alignment as a tight end, that's kind of a Giveaway, you're going to be running the ball. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. All right, so we encourage you guys to email us, mailbag at gmail.com. Tell a friend. And if you want to hit either of us on Twitter, you can as well, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. And I'm at Sean T. Pendergast. And you want to hashtag mailbag. That works as well. But email is the best, mailbag at gmail.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John, before we get out of here, a couple big news items, I think, since you and I last sat down. Um, the biggest one, literally, being the contract that Russell Wilson just signed, a contract extension with the Broncos, five-year extension that's going to pay him $245 million if he makes it through all five years. But $165 million is the important number. That's the guaranteed amount. So, John, we've got our latest franchise quarterback contract, which, at least in terms of years and overall money, lands in the same world as Deshaun Watson. Of course, the guarantees are far below Deshaun Watson because he got everything guaranteed. But how do you think this Russell Wilson contract affects Lamar Jackson? And what were your thoughts when you initially saw this news? First of all, um, Lamar Jackson, people talk about he needs an agent. He has advisors. Laramie Tunsil, everybody said, acted as his own agent. No, he just didn't have an agent. He had advisors that he paid by the hour, which is what Lamar Jackson's doing. And if Jackson insists on getting a fully guaranteed contract like Watson, then he'll be playing out the last year. Then he'll be playing under the franchise tag and the franchise tag is second year. Nobody does it a third year. It's too expensive. But uh, the only reason you do that is ego. Do you think that uh, Russell Wilson's not going to be able to get by with that paltry guarantee or Kyler Murray, same thing, 107 million guaranteed. And uh, I think don't let your ego be part of it. You know, if you get 150 million guaranteed or 175, you're taken care of for life. 
And the worst thing could happen, Lamar Jackson, of course, is get hurt again, like he did last year. And he is vulnerable to getting hurt because of his rambunctious style of play. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that they're going to get this done because the Ravens don't have contract problems and they want to get it done, but he's got to come off full of guarantee because as the Cardinals and the Broncos have proved Watson's contract was an outlier. Yeah. Uh, John, we're probably a year away from the AFC West having four quarterbacks, having four quarterbacks that are all making over Forty million dollars a year. I, I think D- Derek Carr signed a compared to these guys signed a mini extension. It was like three years, one hundred twenty something million, but that's still forty million a year. Um, Pat Mahomes has a contract that will always be one of the richest contracts for a quarterback as long as he's in Kansas City. And we just talked about Russell Wilson. Justin Herbert might get more money than all these guys next off. Jo- that's right. He and Joe Burrow. Yep, they're going to be up. And what and their their agents are watching him. Whatever these guys get, they're going to look like good deals after Herbert and Burrow <laughs> sign their extensions. Yeah, the money is the money's just bananas. John, uh, one other story I want to hit with you before we get out about a quarterback whose income's going the other way. Boy, how Jimmy Garoppolo is only going to survive on six and a half million guaranteed this year. Um, pray for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's very expensive to live in the Bay Area, so I feel for him. But at any rate, his. Uh, in, in what I can only describe as just an astounding swerve, uh, the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, at least for now, are making nice and bringing him back on a reasonable deal, I think, to be the backup for Trey Lance. John, how much of, how much of this move by the 49ers to bring Garoppolo back at a reduced rate when they've been trying to trade him the entire offseason, how much of this do you think had to do with something maybe the Texans might even have been involved in, which is Trey Lance not looking so hot in the preseason here? Well, one reason they didn't play more. They should have played him more. Davis Mills, second-year quarterback, he played extensively, and he got better. Lance did not. I think it had everything to do with that. If Lance looked really good and they were confident in him, then they would not have signed that new contract with Garoppolo. It's a good deal for Garoppolo because if he'd have been cut, he wouldn't have got that much money to go anywhere. Nobody trade for him because he had surgery on his right shoulder. Nobody's seen him throw the ball. So now he can't get tagged. He can't get traded. So if he doesn't play this year and, and Lance plays 17 games, and I think the chances of that are minuscule, but if he doesn't, then he's going to be a healthy veteran with not a lot of wear and tear on his wheels and uh, he can sign as an unrestricted free agent. Or if he gets to play a few times and he plays well and they win, he's got a chance to cash in like he did on his extension with the 49ers. I'm guessing, Sean, that Kyle Shanahan doesn't think that Trey Lance is the kind going to be looking over his shoulder and worried about playing bad Garoppolo playing. Lance said publicly he's glad Garoppolo's back because he helped him so much last year. But it's not good for a team that was in the NFC championship game and is trying to go to the Super Bowl to have that quarterback issue going into the season. Yeah, John, I, you know, I agree with everything you said. I do think one of the byproducts of this deal, and I don't know if it was the driving motivator for the 49ers. I think the motivation, I'm with you. I think the motivation was, we may need Garoppolo to stay here in case this is the Trey Lance that we're getting this year. But let's pretend that Trey Lance straightens things out enough to where the Niners are comfortable with him. 
some team loses, some good team loses their starting quarterback, maybe a team that runs the same system that the 49ers do. Um, and because there's plenty of teams running that system these days, they lose their starting quarterback. That Garoppolo contract just got a whole lot easier to trade. I know Garoppolo's got a no trade clause, but as long as it's somewhere Garoppolo looks at and says, Yeah, I want to go there, I could win a Super Bowl there. You know, like Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in the second week, let's say. And Green Bay is a team that's positioning itself to try to win a Super Bowl every year. They run that same system that, you know, LaFleur runs that Shanahan system. You know, I could see something like that where if a, if a team that has Super Bowl aspirations has their quarterback get hurt, um, all, that contract as it's structured now is way easier to fit under the cap than Garoppolo's old contract was. It's almost like the Niners, if a trade does end up happening, it's almost like the Niners already took care of the negotiating off of the 24 million original figure for Garoppolo. It's like they took care of it for the team that would be trading for him already. And that's why Donnie, his agent, who's also Brady's agent, did a tremendous job yeah. in getting Garoppolo to agree to all this because it sets him up. And, you know, guys like Russell Wilson says he wants to play into his 40s like Brady. And when his two years are up on his original contract, then he has his five, five-year deal. He'll still be 39 when that one's up, so it might not be his last deal. And Garoppolo's just hitting the prime. Now, the key is I've never thought Jimmy G was anything special at all. It's like people talking about all those erroneous reports, Texans want him and they never did. Yeah. It's because he's not special. Yep. And Mills may not be special, but at least Mills had an upside. But it's a great deal for Garoppolo. One more season, and there are worse places to be, but they got a Super Bowl contender living in the Bay Area and a chance to go a lot of places after the season. Yep, no doubt. It all worked out for sure. All right, we are done. This all worked out for us. We are happy to get you guys another episode before the long weekend. John and I will be starting up next week doing three episodes a week because the regular season is here. We'll be able to uh, look ahead to week one against the Colts. Got plenty of preview of the NFL season as a whole that we're going to do next week. I may even start mixing in some of my uh, best bets at the end of a pot at the end of the podcast here, a pick or two for the weekend. So we got a lot of stuff that we've started doing on here and hopefully you guys are enjoying all of it. John, I always enjoy doing this with you and uh, look forward to chopping it up a few more times next week. I, I think best bets are good ideas. So give me a score on Notre Dame and Ohio State. I think it's going to stay inside the number, John. I think it's going to, the number is 17 right now. I think Notre Dame's going to be able to run the football a little bit and slow it down. I'll give you the number. I'm going to say Ohio State 31, Notre Dame 23. How's that? Well, that'd, that'd be a good game. A lot of yeah. people think it's going to be lopsided. I'm really eager to see the Irish's new coach, defensive coordinator, and I'm really fired up to see the Ohio State offense led by quarterback C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I'm more fired up to see the Ohio State offense in week two and beyond <laughs> than, I am, than I am this week. Uh, but, I got, but I saw Big Heine at the, uh, the Texan season premiere. And I, I talked to him for a little bit. First of all, he had a Notre Dame play like a champion today liner inside of his coat. I know you were hoping it said Big Heine on it. It said play like a champion today, John. It didn't say Big Heine. I don't even know if he knows that we call him that. So I, I don't even know if he would like being called that. But that's who he is. He's Big Heine on this podcast. But I asked him, I said, what do you think about that Ohio State game? And he said, nah. he said, if they can keep it close, he'll be happy about that. So He's that's big. Kinda- He's big irony in every weekly radio show I do all over the country and on sports radio 610. And when I tweet, 
He's always going to be big honey. And when I start to write really soon, yeah. for two different jobs and it's yep. announced, he will be big honey in my columns as well. Well, we may, and we may have that announcement coming soon on the podcast, John, of all these other projects you're going to be involved in. So we'll, we'll, we'll brace ourselves for that. The, uh, the, the man who works more in retirement than any person I've ever seen. I know just the Chronicle you retired from John, but it feels like you've got more jobs than ever these days. You better trademark big honey because it's going to be big. Bigheiny.com, bigheiny.net. I got to go squat on all the big heinies out there is what I got. I'm big heiny coming to you from Raising Cane. That's right. That's right. A mi- big heiny, a minute for my friends. That's exactly right. That's a big heiny doing the live reads. Um, all right. We are, we're out of time. That's John McClain. Big thanks to Figgy Fig, who he's the one who makes sure this podcast gets up and posted every single week. And the NFL season is almost here. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Be sure to subscribe. Download this podcast each and every week, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star review if they let you do that. And uh, we are done. I'm Sean Pendergast. He is John McClain. We are out of time. Have a great weekend, everybody. You've been listening to the Utopia Football Podcast. Take care.